had a good chat with the FAA senior manager today and um, uh, subjects uh, that I brought up were uh, the FRIA process, um, remote ID, and how we might uh, improve the participation of CBOs uh, as uh, was uh, described in the uh, creation of the of the CBO. So uh, hopefully we'll work we'll be working on each of those. Uh, right away we'll be working on uh, FRIAs and uh, uh, as I pointed out uh, in addition to uh, the overall process being pretty broken um, uh, we definitely need to uh, get going uh, for something uh, and the FAA has said they don't want to call it a FRIA but uh, temporary event uh, or event or event support would be a good way to look at it. So FPV racing, uh, large RC events, uh, so things like uh, uh, pretty much any uh, multi-GP uh, FPV racing. Um, so we think that that would be uh, ideal for some sort of exception. Um, it is such a tiny uh, volumetric space and it is uh, uh, the risk is, uh, in our view, uh, to other aircraft, zero. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll be talking and working uh, on that. And we'll also pull in the other CBOs. Um, we should also mention that. Um, uh, let's well, let me let me. Uh, I'll I'll, break, I'll I'll I won't forget to mention the uh, the AMA uh, efforts uh, on the amendment uh, and their write up. Um, remote ID topics, um, predominantly uh, those, if we can get that working. Uh, I've also asked about, is there anything we can do uh, with the FAA on raising the 250 gram registration and manufacturing limits to one kilogram? And then finally, um, uh, in the 2023 Reauthorization Act for the FAA, there is a, uh, a stipulation that the advanced Aviation Advisory Committee will be uh, phased out or ended, and it will be replaced with a, a new uh, Federal Advisory Committee, and uh, that will have 12 members, down from 41. Somebody so, thought the uh, AAM was too big and wanted people gone and <laughs> decided to start it over with fewer people. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I can't see... Uh, I mean, that's you know I, I can just see where people are like well this is so expensive and it's too uh, too ungainly. Um, personally, I have exactly the opposite view. Uh, it, you know when you it's uh, it's not that hard to manage uh, fifty to sixty uh, people, um, and uh, we were able to gather a lot of really bright folks and create uh, relationships and uh, create some really good recommendations for the FAA. So I'm. I'm sorely disappointed in this move, and uh, with 12 seats, uh, I think uh, I'll uh, I'll wager uh, a couple of cold ones that there will, will not be any uh, recreational representation uh, on that new FACA. So that has to go through the uh, Reauthorization Act. Uh, with a little luck, that gets approved prior to the end of September 2023, and then the FAA has to uh, act on that. So. Uh, uh, we know that they have taken uh, four to five years to uh, act on things like uh, whether it's trust or CBOs. or So we'll see what happens with a FACA. It has a, a much higher 
uh, importance to them, uh, since it includes the shiny new toy of advanced air mobility, things like uh, air taxis. Um, over on so YouTube, that, well, Mike Berman was asking a question. Uh, do we have a counter ready for when they reply with no? I'm guessing that came from when you said things like raising the 250-gram limit. Uh, Mike, you can correct me if that wasn't what your comment was related to. So basically, yeah, if we ask things of the FAA, are we ready when they say no? What are we, what's our plan for that? Great, great question. Um, the uh, the 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 plan is uh, you know continue working it. Um, you know keep keep pushing rope with the FAA, uh, and at the same time um, uh, work more with uh, our uh, congressional representative representatives and senators um uh, during uh, the next um 2023 to 2028 the next uh, period of uh, of the this reauthorization and uh, press for oversight i assume we're also trying to push for more frias more locations that you can fly without remote id Absolutely, and that was one of the points I brought up today. Our uh, in the the FAA has documented uh, once that uh, that we know of uh, their estimate of four thousand uh, total uh, frias. So twenty subtract out twenty six hundred AMA fields, and that leaves uh, uh, what's left over to cover ninety five percent of the uh, uh, of the hobby population of one point seven eight million people. So. My calculations are if there's uh, one Freya for 20 people, that's 79,000 Freyas. So somewhere between 4,000 and 79,000, we think, is the correct answer. Um, even if it were half of our estimate at 40,000, that would be obviously, uh, in fact, an order of magnitude larger than the FAA's estimate. So, yeah, we'll be pushing, we'll be continuing to push that. I brought it up today uh, in those terms. And the, on the FRIA process, we've also talked about the application program, programming interface. It sounds like a, a trivial thing, uh, but uh, we know that uh, it can make a life uh, smoother, faster, um, uh, less error prone. Right now, we're doing a fair amount of transcription into uh, uh, a system that is not flexible. And each time uh, we get a denial, which we get frequently, uh, we, we don't have to start at the end of a uh, eight-month queue, um, which is eight months and counting for a number of us on the applications. But uh, you do have to resubmit the application. So that's ridiculous. I mean, so there, uh, we, we want to work with the FAA on a number of uh, process uh, activities that will make uh, them more efficient, and it will allow uh, the FAA to be um, a better communicator and to uh, to let us know, like, oh, you, I, you received my application. Great. Okay. You know, what's the status? Where are we? You know, and then when we feed back uh, edits that they want, you know, it doesn't get denied or, you know, immediately or there's uh, so lots of things that we're denial. looking to do. Yeah. So for those who haven't been following along, we've submitted a lot of free applications and then we just outright get a rejection and we have to basically start over with a new application and we think it's ridiculous. They're supposed to like reach out to the person who made the application, get clarification on anything that may have caused it to get rejected and then make their determination after that. Instead, they just flat out 
deny them and you have to start over with a whole new application, which is a big pain in the butt without for everybody. Without even knowing. Well, also without yeah, knowing don't even know why. What it is you're wrong. Yeah, and the the uh, another frustration is that uh, we've been uh, it's it's we've been advised to uh, fill in um, additional detail, and so there is a character limit one. It's a very small character limit, so you're it's pretty characters. tough. Five hundred characters is pretty tight, and so that's one. And then two, we were uh, it's obvious that the uh, the people who are some of the people some of the time who are reviewing. Uh, the applications are not reading the 500 characters so yeah uh, those are things that uh, you know that we uh, you know we were focusing on as well as the um, there's no service level agreement there's no agreement from the FAA that says they will at least respond or start a, a working on an application within this amount of time uh, there's uh, and so you know it, this is just normal you know business process stuff that you know we are we have, we've got experience in we can help we want to we want to help we wanna, and we'll be working with the other cbos um on, on the discussions that uh, uh will be that the faa hopefully will be setting up uh double a is asking so what is it that they require from a field to become a fria can it be a church grounds and i would say it probably could be a church grounds but it depends and we one thing we do know is they don't want it to be like your backyard. They don't want it to be private property. Um, they want it to be more of a public space like you would think an AMA in, field would be. But not in the suburbs. Yeah, they don't want it to be in a neighborhood like with lots of houses and people nearby. Uh, but double A, you, you, know, you can also reach out to me. Uh, just, just I know you from racing. Just send me a message. I'll also help you with that. Right. So, and as Dan and uh, Alex have said, uh, not your not your personal property, un unless you, know, you also happen to be uh, running races or yeah. running a group right. of uh, fl flying there. Um, no operations over people. So if you say, well, you know, we fly over, you know, folks are here, and you know, we we fly over them, that'll be a, an instant denial. For um, example, one of the places that we got approved. That is both a residential property and a active community flying site is No Quarter Ranch, which is the same location that the Global Championships is held at and a lot of racing in general in Florida. And so they were approved as a FRIA and it's the backyard of uh, some of the pilots in that area. And so... Right, that's so, a, that's one example of them approving a backyard that is also a community flying site. Right. right. I've gotten so, two approvals so far, Cheeto. Yes. Well done, Alex. And Thank you. Did you already say what, what kind of locations were those? No. So the, well, a little bit with the No Quarter Ranch. So that one, it is in rural Florida. So it you can look up the location pretty easily. but. Uh, it's in a rural area. There are neighbors around. However, the area where flying is done is not necessarily near where the neighbors are. And there's a tree border between other neighbors as well. So there's a tree line that borders the neighbors as well as it's fairly rural in general. The other location that was approved as a FRIA was a local field by me called Buzzard RC. It's 
<laughs> it's an AMA club, but they went through us to do the free application. And so it's also, that's in rural Pennsylvania, uh, Amish country. Uh, so not much around and you, the roads are all single lanes. Uh, and so it's a fairly rural area, farmland surrounding it. There aren't many homes near it. So that just, that's the type of location that I, I've seen approved so far. Sure. We have a couple right. that were, and locations that we've had, that we've seen denied, I guess, just to profile the locations and surroundings are suburb areas, semi-rural areas, and uh, urban environments. And those and, uh, approvals first came out yesterday, right? The, it seems like the first wave of approvals from correct. FAA came out yesterday. yesterday. Right. So a couple of things there. Uh, and in addition to key on uh, the points of what's what's getting approved uh, are um, yeah, the GPS locations must stipulate only where you're going to fly. So if it's a if it's a park, don't include the roads, don't include bleachers, don't include spectator areas, just where you're going to fly. Now, as a fixed-wing RC guy, that's, there's a frequent, uh, frequently the notion of this is where we take off and land, and then there's overflight. Wherever you set the bounds of the FRIA is where you're expected to be flying. So keep it uh, limited and don't include roads or buildings, because buildings and roads will imply operations over people, which will get you a, a quick denial. DFW is uh, asking if these were the first few that we submitted. I think the order seems there's not necessarily it, an order to it, but the approvals were some of yes your first no. ones. Uh, it's in order ish. So by the time that I submitted them, Ellie. As, at least in the order that they were reviewed, that's the order that they were approved or denied. Or, well, the ones that were denied immediately were denied before the ones that were pending approval. But of the ones that were, that I got approved, I, the one that I submitted before, I submitted the one for the local field by me, Buzzer RC, before No Quarter Ranch. But those two Frias were submitted back to back. And so they were like, application 147 and 148 and they were approved within hours of each other uh but with the and, 147 before 148 and the rough time approximate time frame that you submitted those alex uh, i believe it was late december right so right around the same time frame that i submitted an application and have not heard anything back even not is even it, a does it show under denial. review i am not sure D if you log into Drone Zone, it might say under review. Okay. I will do that. Uh, how many First. applications have we, the FPVFC, submitted so far? I've submitted 10, and I have two or three more on the way. And yeah. I've done two, and Dave, you've done two? two. So around 15. Yeah, and, uh, and I have another one um, on, uh, on deck that, uh, from a, a member that so. I need to get processed. 
So those are, um, oh, the, uh, Dan made me think of it when he said, so yesterday was the, we, and we saw a couple of uh, AMA being approved. Um, we anticipate FTCA and STEM plus C will get approvals. We got confirmation from the FAA that yes, they would have to have the programmatic environmental assessment dash FRIA process in place before they could approve any uh, flying locations or any FRIAs. So we think that that's, uh, that happened yesterday. Uh, again, this was part of my request in terms of, you know, since there are only four organizations working on these from a non-educational perspective, it would have been great if you could have told us yesterday the PEA FRIA is now in place, you will be seeing uh, approvals or you know, we can we can process approvals now. That would have been nice to know. It would have been helpful for us to communicate that uh, out to the community. So that's an example of how we'd like a, uh, we're trying to get this to be a, a bit more of an open process. And uh, Torque Roller and YouTube saying that they think just about every school, at least all the schools that have STEM programs should have a FRIA, and that alone would go far beyond the FAA's projected estimates for FRIAs. And we do know that for sure the STEM plus C group is trying to help a lot of schools get free as for all of their STEM programs. Yes, yes, and yes. Was was it four or six free as that the FAA estimated for CBOs other than AMA? Because either way, we have at least two of those. (laughs) No, they're they're, the, uh, the, the comment about the uh, that school and STEM programs um, plus a CBO can establish a, a school as a, a charter organization, which immediately means that um, the students can have uh, 44809 privileges as part of the class. And if you think about it, it's not for your uh, pleasure. So it's a part 107 activity. It's like, wait a second, you know, we don't want kids to learn. So there is that stipulation, and that's um, what uh, STEM plus C is actively doing, and we're, we're uh, supportive of that, and we will um, uh, we're we're working with FT- FTCA. We know we'll be doing that as well, uh, and uh, to some extent, we likely will be as well from a FBBFC perspective. Can't comment. Language. Don't know about AMA. Language to fix that is also in the twenty. 20- 23 reauthorization act as well so it includes um second primary and secondary education institutions as recreation exactly right and so uh, assume and it, that's in both the house and the senate versions completely agree so that requirement to create a uh, a charter of a cbo would go away depending on when the faa turns the mandate, which should be end of September, into an advisory circular, something. So I'm, uh, I'd am i bet another couple cold ones that uh, that's not going to happen in October 2023, which is why uh, we think it's a great idea to continue the CBO to charter um, educational uh, institutions, primary and secondary schools, so that they can get 44809. That obviously does not get them free of status. And that's a perfect segue to uh, the AMA has been working uh, closely with a number of uh, congressional staffers. Um, 
and there's a, an amendment um, on the table that uh, um, has been going around. We can, uh, I, I think we've posted it on, on our Discord. Um, and it is effectively, uh, one of the big elements in it is that it allows a CBO to self-declare a FRIA. So again, let's, you know, it, this is an amendment that has to go, you know, so we're, right now we're, we're waiting for the House and the Senate to pass their individual bills. They then have to go to conference. The conference is the is to reconcile any differences between the two bills, has to go back to both chambers, be passed, then be signed by the President uh, of the United States. And hopefully that happens uh, prior to uh, September, the end of September. Uh, then, assuming that amendment stays intact, then the FAA has to act on it. So we'll... Uh, um, We'll, we, we will see um, uh, how quickly that can happen, and hopefully that amendment does happen. That will make the free process uh, dramatically different, and we'll, we, we will be on top of it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. and as I, I think... mentioned before, I've got some concerns about that, <laughs> that amendment and what, whether that's actually would turn out to be a good thing or not, but hard to say. Right. <clears throat> We're... We've been around the block a couple times, and it's like, well, we will celebrate when it's you know when it's good news, and uh, if it's not, we'll can just continue working the processes that are in front of us. Good questions. Um, one of the so I hope uh, there's a, a point here, Bagzilla. So I hope all of the multi GP chapters get a free, probably, but that's probably not going to happen. So. We're supportive of as many of the chapters as uh, as possible. Uh, they, you, know, you don't have to own the, the property, uh, it, and the you know so a multi GP race satisfy you know um, races occurring at uh, fields that they use for the season are great examples of existing flying field, not flying over people. You know it it ticks all of the boxes uh, that we like. Go ahead, Alex. You're saying, yeah, I've. For local for chapters, I know a lot of chapters. If they have an AMA charter, they've been going through the AMA usually. Or several chapter organizers have also been reaching out to myself, and I've been helping out a lot of the multi GP chapters. So, the difficulty with free applications for multi GP chapters is the your their fields aren't necessarily a field that they really control or they only host races once a month, usually at that location, which usually, which might not be enough to consider them a FRIA for those events. Yeah, which like, is would you want it, to, then... want it to be a FRIA the rest of the time or only during the events? Yeah. Right, and we can, that, we can, so we can see. With the current FRIA process, that's the issue with it. Agreed. Or one and, of the limiting the, issues. Right, and... And that's one of the things that we're the uh, we know that the FAA is uh, thinking about. Well, the the organization that submits the application is going to control that airspace, right? And it's like, oh my gosh, um, no is the uh, is the short answer. So if um, if if multi GP uh, FPV racing sites get denied because that reason, it's well, we fly there t twice a month. 
then uh, we, then we want to pursue uh, the notion of, all right, so how do we create a temporary exempt exception that allows us to not use broadcast modules on racers? That's that to me is a very logical uh, step. And while we're doing that, that would also uh, pertain to uh, fixed wing uh, events. I'll be working one that's uh, run, running its 54th year in uh, upstate New York. So uh, yeah, those are, we have to read. Okay. So that's, uh, that's what we have. So great questions. Um, and uh, thank you. Uh, for your patience with uh, with the freer process, uh, uh, this is also consuming a lot of time. It's a, consuming a lot of our time, STEM plus C, uh, FTCA, and and we know the AMA as well. So it's it's uh, uh, a lot of folks are trying to you know help out and and fix, and we appreciate it. So Dave, um, the Discord now also has uh, an event chat that you probably don't have that chat window open. So there's a whole nother set of <laughs> set of chats that happen during these meetings. Oh. Um, I don't know if you see the notification for it hiding somewhere, but there's been a couple other questions added to that one as well. I don't see Too it. Many chats. <laughs> I don't see. I don't see in the uh, one of. One of the questions oh, oh, is there it is. This whole thing with RD is pretty confusing. Later this year, after mid September, can FPVFC put together some guidelines on what's expected as well as what pilots should realistically expect? Oh, yes, but could the question expect with respect to what? I'm not, I wasn't really following. I'm assuming in oh, law enforcement and yeah, he expands on that, saying if we'll tell people, I think, more about, oh, did it turn out that law enforcement is just sort of ignoring these regulations, or does it turn out that they're going to be well-informed and be real sticklers for enforcing the, these regulations? Things right. like that. Yeah, yeah that, that's, a, yeah. Yes, um, and in as much as uh, one of our seven is... Uh, uh, an officer in Arlington police uh, and responsible for a uh, fleet of drone pilots. Um, he is uh, is also part of um, first responders, uh, the um, 501c3 led by Charles Werner uh, that we've worked with now for four years. Um, and so Rob's perspective is invaluable. And so he, he can uh, share uh, some of that and uh, we'll, you know, so what's the perspective from law uh, from law enforcement and what do we anticipate from enforcement that's a good thing uh, I would imagine that it would help if we you know, looked over our here's the latest in terms of what you need to input for a freea um, and our philosophy is freea first and then a broadcast module uh, we've talked about uh, the work that we're doing with flight test on a recreation, a purpose-designed recreational uh, broadcast module for remote ID. So that's a so that you know it's 10 grams, and we feel that's you know we're trying to not have that for racing uh, because we'd rather have a an exception uh, in place for uh, racing. Um, Yes, thank you. Yeah, Brian posted uh, the video with Rob in it. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. It's a, this is uh, yeah Rob Robertson as uh, uh, one of us, and he was with us uh, at Flight Fest. Uh, represented uh, uh, both Arlington uh, Police as well as uh, FBVFC very well, and uh, it was uh, great for him to meet Rob Lowe, uh, regional. Uh, administrator of uh, FAA Southwest, who was our guest at uh, Flight Fest. So th- that's a great, a great question. Uh, inter- you know, so free uh, remote ID. What do we need? What do I need to do? So yes, I mean these are things that uh, are have become second nature to us. And um, what we hear about regularly is what's remote ID? What do I have to? do something. And so we're hearing really basic questions and we're happy to try to uh, fill some of those in. Yeah. Another thing I'm sure we'll push and we'll gain steam would be like the sub 250 gram drones and they will increasingly get better and better, assuming we can't get the, the registration limit raised to a kilogram. Right. Right. Good. Okay. Um, other questions on, uh, oh, and so what are we working on right now? We're working on the comments for uh, the new FAA noise policy, uh, which uh, spans all aircraft. And so uh, it does incorporate a small UAS. So um, Blunty and I were working on this. There are over 1,240 uh, comments uh, in already. The due date is uh, 31 July 2023. Um, we'll have that done. Um, uh, our comments will uh, relate to the, uh, the que- will directly relate to the questions that were asked, and I know well, that sounds sort of obvious, but of the 1,240 uh, quest- or comments that were posted, we cannot find any that answer the questions that the FAA asked. They were almost universally airliners fly over my house. Please stop. So not terribly helpful to what the question was asked, but I can understand the frustration. Um, so lots of, uh, we've, as I've mentioned, the noise is, uh, uh, we feel extremely important because the frequency of drones is such that it's an annoying sound. It's not loud. Um, and so, one of the uh, where we want to voice uh, and respond to the questions about what are the metrics that uh, would make sense. And we think that instead of decibel level, which is back from uh, 60s, something a little more like uh, what's the pressure measured in Pascals that uh, that you feel, which takes into consideration the distance. So you really need when you're talking sound, uh, a distance plus a decibel level. So more than you ever wanted to know about sound, but that's one of the things we're working on uh, to comment. Uh, and and we've asked the FAA, we'd really like to talk to the people that we're sending this information because for the last several years, it's been a black hole. We work hard, we produce the comments, we get consensus on the comments, and it goes into a black hole. Now, if it's a rule, we get it that rulemakers cannot talk to the public. Got it. A lot of what we write comments on are not yet into a rulemaking process. So there can be a dialogue, and we're, that's what we're asking for. Um, Cheeto is saying that they are an AMA CD, and the AMA said that they have a waiver process for events after September. 
Is that something you've heard of, Dave? No. Was that a, a, a is the did the individual say they're a contest director, a CD, an AMA CD? Yeah, I don't think there is a. Um, I don't think there's a remote ID waiver. There is a waiver for altitude. So yeah, there was that new waiver process they were talking about. If you're about. flying tur turbines or aircraft over 55 pounds, that's in place. But I have not heard anything about a uh, a remote ID waiver. And I would be delighted to be wrong. Uh, yeah, I mean, we maybe that's to, what we, we talked to. What the uh, what the FAA is working on is things for races and events as a waiver process, but they haven't given many details on what that process is going to be. Right. When that's now possible, thanks to the AMA, the AMA is using a modified waiver process for altitude and weight. Those are the first waivers for 44809 uh, operations. That's a big deal from the perspective of whenever in the past, whenever we brought up the notion of a waiver, we got the, oh, no, no, waivers are just for part 107. You, you, we can't talk about that. So they've, they've opened the door. And so it's possible that we will see a waiver for our event, temporary events or you know, uh, a race, a, uh, uh, an event that the, the gentleman who's an AMA contest director uh, runs as well. So I'm, I'm, we talked to Tyler. I'll, I expect to be talking to him this week. I'll ask him about Tyler Dobbs, Senior Director, AMA, Government Affairs. Good. Real quick, could you guys expand a little bit on the uh, FAA noise stuff? I haven't heard about it. I was just curious what that, just generally what that is. Um, this, it, it, does, it doesn't go back quite as far as the uh, 1870s, uh, where the 250 gram comes from, but the uh, the single most uh, prevalent art complaint from uh, citizens about aircraft is noise. And so uh, the airliners, you know, or, uh, I'm in a landing zone and uh, it just changed and uh, you're destroying the value of my house. So lots and lots of formal complaints to the FAA on noise of aircraft. And so the, uh, the there are a series of questions, uh, and the document was released in, I want to say, May of this year. And the, um, the FAA looks to documents that go back to 1969 and 1979, and that's where most of the science uh, is that they reference for their uh, regulations. And so they're asking industry to comment on what are the communities, what are the concerns, and then what are the appropriate metrics. One of the, uh, for example, one of the metrics is a uh, DNL, day-night uh, averaging. How, how, you get, how you get average out of L, I'm really not sure. Uh, but they take the, uh, the number of decibels over a 24-hour period and uh, average it. That's great for us. Uh, from a, a perspective of, wow, you know, if we're flying for a couple minutes out of the day, a, a DNL is wonderful. Um, and so we, are, we will be, they are hinting at and asking questions like, is there an appropriate operational segmentation that, uh, that would, would help us? We, the FAA has said, 
and endorsed one size does not fit all. But then, of course, we've seen lots of uh, drone regulations where one size fits all. So we will be pushing on the notion of one size does not fit all. And we will be recommending that there be a, a small UAS uh, category uh, that should be considered separately from an airliner. Uh, and then we also uh, will, there, there are, it's also a, a literature review. So if we come across uh, different research, um, uh, we'll put that forward. In the Beyond Visual Line of Sight Aviation Rulemaking Committee that Dan and I worked on, one of the documents that I came across was an academic paper on uh, the frequency of uh, drones and why it's disturbing to us. And so it's a, it's a, a thoughtful uh, academic paper that uh, we'll put forward uh, to the FAA. Hopefully that provides a little bit of a uh, little bit of background on the document. And so our normal process would be that we would uh, post uh, our uh, comments if time uh, time allowing. Um, we will do that. Uh, we always post what we have submitted. It's a matter of public record, uh, and we'll we have posted what uh, what we submit in these comments. Um, so we try to get. Uh, get the, our comments out and get uh, an opportunity for folks to comment on, on our comments uh, before we submit them. We may or may not have that uh, just from a time. And, and that's, uh, that's on me from a perspective of uh, life has uh, gotten in the way of uh, getting this done sooner. Awesome. I think IO is nearly 24 seven. That's interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Other questions? Remote ID, Freya. Uh, I saw photos of our. I'm excited of our uh, flight test uh, remote ID. It's looking looking good. Samples will go out. Production level samples will go out to uh, this week. So we're we're excited. Alex is going to get a couple of them, and so he can determine if there's uh, interference uh, flying multiple uh, drones. But you probably want to have multiple people flying the drones, right, right, Alex? No swarm has no, uh, Recreational has no rule against uh, multiple operators. Oh, really? There are multiple drones under one operator. I didn't, re I, I did know that that's a 107 regulation. I thought it extended to a recreational. If it's not in 44809, then you're free to do it. I'm, I'm good with it. And that. it's not in our safety guidelines. So we don't say you can't fly more than one at a time. At least not that I'm aware. And I think I've read it a couple of times. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, um, over in YouTube, we got off on a little bit of a tangent talking about the noise regulations and <laughs> using specially built like noisy props to annoy people. But then I, I suggested, well, maybe somebody should make props that whistle. That would be interesting. <laughs> fly around with a whistling drone. <laughs> I don't know how that would... That would rank in the uh, noise pollution area, but that would be kind of cool. One of the one of the aircraft I designed was a uh, a pusher, and we put the uh, the motor pretty much uh, in the center of the plane, and it was turning over thirty thousand RPM. And what? And a six inch prop. What an awful sound! Just so the opposite of a relaxing uh, high speed plane. Just a, a whining, <laughs> pitching. Uh, just. 
Yeah. Like I could imagine just like on the, if you take a fixed wing airplane and you put some sort of whistle right behind the prop and it's just constantly blowing air through it and making a really loud whistle. Uh, Yes, we could do that. We we could do that. (laughs) Well, so is is anyone working on a remote ID uh, uh, spoofer uh, uh, circuit yet? Uh, that's, Uh, that's one of the, isn't that one of the articles you have this week from Josh? I think it is a little, uh, little foreshadowing. So it is. Yeah, that's Yes, it is. Okay. So we'll get back to that topic. Hopefully, uh, keep some interest there. Uh, I did want to mention, um, turtle mode FPV. And so we have a number of, uh, uh, mostly retailers who have, who have uh, endorsed us uh, and that they and the endorsement is uh, not monetary. It is uh, that these organizations um, endorse how and what we're doing, uh, what we're doing and how we do it. Better said, and uh, Turtle Mode FPV has been added to that list. Uh, we're grateful for that. And uh, this Turtle Mode FPV is a uh, a new company uh, creating uh, street league. Uh, beautiful uh, frames and uh, other other equipment. So please check them out if you're into Street League. Uh, and it, it, there's a link, I believe, uh, his site from the Street League, if you can't remember, Turtle Mode FPV. Uh, Turtle Mode's here in the Discord chat, or in Discord. All right. Discord listening in on the meeting. Way to go, John. Excellent. Excellent. How you guys oh. doing? Thanks for the mention, Dave. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad you're here, and uh, please speak up if we uh, if you have any comments or if we say anything uh, amiss. Keep us yeah, on. Yeah, will do. It's been an interesting meeting tonight. I'm glad I joined in. Great. Thanks for being here. Let's... Okay, Dan, shall, shall we move to uh, the articles that Josh was uh, kind uh, enough sure. to collect for us? I can see if I can get my sharing my screen and get the right browser shared here. Go live. Uh, bring that up hopefully everybody can see it Um, I'm on the first link that he sent if that's where you want to start if not I can jump around to whichever one you want to do any sequence is fine this is uh, so this is this is cool Um, DJI has announced that they have that drones and pretty sure it's not DJI specific but drones have been responsible for saving 1,000 lives. They crossed uh, that threshold. This is a number that uh, when Brendan Schulman was the VP of Policy and Governmental Affairs Global, he started keeping track of this as a, as a corporation. And so this, is, this to us is a big deal in the sense of if there's, you know, when, when, you know, when, I, when I get the conversations of, Oh, you know, drones are, you know, this or that, negative, negative, negative. I come back with, well, you know, they're really helpful to public safety. And now we can say, and they've been responsible for saving a thousand lives. So, uh, and right in the, uh, in this article, very interesting. So DJI is a, is a privately held company. There are congressional hints and winks uh, that, uh, DJI might be a uh, a state-owned enterprise, but you know everything we know about DJI is it is a privately held company. They are absolutely 100% Chinese. Uh, they have over 2,000 engineers, 
Uh, last time I knew, it was in excess of uh, $25 billion a year. So it's a, uh, and they have uh, over 70% share of the videography uh, drone market. So number one by a lot, uh, great technology. And uh, this article is all about, hey, you know, we're helping save lives. And then it goes on to ask, you know, uh, ask us if you use, you know, use our products, please help, you know, the if effectively the drones for good message. So this these are the 1000 that have been reported, DJI. not necessarily, obviously, there's going to be more than that. And then that you're saying they're asking that if people are using them for purposes like saving lives to let them know so they can be counted. Is that right? Yes. As well as, you know, tell you, please tell your friends, neighbors and uh, congressional representatives. Is a hint. Doesn't DJI also have a map? Oh yeah, it says they have their map. Oh, yeah. using its drone rescue map. That, yep. So they actually track that and put them on a map where people have been rescued. Yes. Yep. They have a yeah, map that is, shows that. To me, this is very smart PR. PR which helps. Uh, which is a great segue to some of the other articles. Enough on this one? <laughs> sure. Well, we can jump to another Chinese-related article. Yeah, this is this is good. So, so we're teeing up the uh, the variety of uh, situations uh, in the articles that Josh uh, found this week around. So that's that's interesting. You want to ban Chinese drones? So we banned Chinese drones uh, from Department of Defense, and then it was Department of Commerce. And now there are a number of states who are following Florida's path. And any public safety officer in Florida can tell you that if they used DJI before and they can't now, it's a problem. But wait, didn't and we just hear so, an article about how many people were saved by DJI drones? That's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So around the world, so we're now cutting off our noses to spite our faces in the United States. So, um, and... This article, or one of the other articles, points to the there is a an, uh, a whole uh, firmware load that DJI effectively created a clean room creation with uh, Department of Commerce uh, observing uh, to prove that there was a a build of a, a firmware build that uh, had no communications with uh, anything especially nothing back to China. But that was then uh, struck down as uh, not uh, not authorized. So it's being, uh, that, that was discounted. So after uh, DJI invested to pay for that, it was several million dollars, the uh, U.S. government said, nope, not good enough. They even worked and, with the Air Force as well on that yeah. too, not just the Department of Commerce. Yeah, frustrating. So, uh, the, you know, to me, I'm, uh, I get it. I understand the motivation, but you know, we do not have a solution in place. And uh, this article and the other articles point out that, uh, so, you know, we've got Blue UAS, which is a list of uh, drones that can be uh, purchased uh, for use in the federal government. They have to be, you know, the U.S.-based uh, companies. And uh, Florida has picked up Blue UAS as their list. And this article points out that isn't it interesting that you know all of the components uh, are from China? And so I say all. 
I know they're, you know, they're, they're here and there. There are components that are not uh, made in China, but, you know, it, it, flight controllers, ESCs, motors, uh, end frames, end props. And, and what Meat's asking in the Discord chat is like, isn't the video chips? Um, I assume a lot of the video chips, well, what he is giving examples are DJI, Walksnail. Those definitely are. Those are Chinese chips. Um, yep. I don't know if Autel or if uh, Skydio is actually using Chinese video chips, but I wouldn't be surprised if they are. It seems like the most yes. likely place to get them. Skydio uses a uh, an NVIDIA processor, so they sweep all of the all of the programming into a massive, powerful uh, CPU, which of course is manufactured by TSMC. And so not so in, not, NVIDIA would not be a US China company, right? But the chips are actually manufactured not in the United States. Or their motors, well, right? Mattel is also Chinese. It's just they, they're working on their U.S. side of things. Right. But they're still a Chinese primary company. Yep. yep. Yeah, the video chips, you know, even HD0, you know, on the, in the FPV space. You know, the, a lot of the patents are registered in the United States. Manufacturing is in China. All right. Okay, we... I think probably enough on this one. <laughs> Unless anybody and else has any this... other questions. Yeah, well, we love the questions and comments. Really appreciate that. Um, this is an interesting one on the spoofing. So Joshua Bardwell did a, a video on spoofing, and this is absolutely intriguing uh, to me as a, as a geek. Um, and so we can't find anything that says you, you can't uh, do this you know, is this is an issue because you're transmitting it from the ground? The, you know, there's. So, what's the issue? So, the only potential issue spoof? I can think of would be if it was an FCC violation of some sort. But we don't. Right. But a lot. But a lot that... of the. A lot. Of, all you need is a component that's FCC Part 15 approved, and it's legit. Yeah, because it's all being broadcast over Bluetooth or Wi-Fi spectrum, which we're all using for all of our devices anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So. This is possible. We'll see what uh, what happens here. Um, this could be a uh, a response to the so Department of Homeland Security, you know, didn't want to change the part of the remote ID regulation that identified the location of the uh, ground control station or the pilot uh, operating the controls. This, you know, so this puts up chaff, if you will, about where where the individual is. So. We'll we'll see how the, where this goes. I'm not so, advocating it as a geek. It's, you know, very interesting to me. What hardware does this require to run? Um, a uh, just an ESP32 or something. Yep, a Bluetooth transmitter, and then enough logic to uh, generate the uh, message element. So not much. What's an ESP32 uh, board? It's basically like an Arduino. But um, just an, it's it's basically an Arduino that's not an Arduino. Okay. Same functionality as of an Arduino. I'd say it's probably in between an Arduino and a Raspberry Pi, but closer to an Arduino. <laughs> okay. I want to see somebody to create uh, an app for your mobile phone that does this, since obviously your phone's got all the the hardware to do it. Unless it really it's on does. A phone. 
Uh, yeah. Well, an iPhone yeah, has the def- hardware. I don't know if Apple lets oh, you have access hardware, but... to it or not at the level you right. need. But... Yeah, it, um, an iPhone would be uh, could put out. Um, yeah, but, yeah. I don't know if the Bluetooth transmitters about Bluetooth beacon. That's a good question. So, Androids receive Bluetooth five. iPhones don't. They receive Bluetooth four. But I don't know about it on the transmission side. Well, it should be able to transmit Bluetooth because that's how you work with wireless headbud earbuds or with wire or certain wireless toys. So it can transmit Bluetooth. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, Alex Meat backs you up. ESP. Uh, yeah, ESP32 is a cheap little microcontroller. Infinite number of them in existence. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, good description. And and once again, we should recognize Meat. He is all over our Discord servers, helping people out every day. We really appreciate that. Thanks for for doing that, and always with with uh, gracious and help, really super helpful, super technical. Uh, answers really so really appreciate it is anybody going to add a feature to express lrs or to beta flight boards that have bluetooth um or wi-fi transmitters on them <laughs> to spoof a bunch of drones every time you go fly yes <laughs> you certainly could uh we um captain what's captain bry well, but yeah, he's Ryan. he's working on official remote ID yeah. support. I think there are others. But you there. could sort of split that off to also spoof a whole bunch of remote ID signals at the same time. Yes. Yeah, I don't know of anyone working on a, you know on a project to to spinning up spin up a commercially available spoofer. Yeah, but I I do anticipate that there are going to be a number of uh, DIY recipes uh, that would allow. Uh, people to cook these up if they wanted. Okay, so interesting, uh, interesting topic. <clears throat> so that's the spoofer article. Uh, this is an interesting one. So this, this came in from Drone DJ. So we've learned uh, a couple of tricks, and uh, this is a proposed bill. So. The way this is written is like, oh my gosh, the sky is, you know, is falling. This is terrible. You know, imminent doom to happen tomorrow. Once you dig into it, it's um, this happened. You know, so there's no reference to the bill. I found it. It's HR four three three from the one hundred eighteenth Congress. Uh, there, it is sponsored by a, uh, a Democrat, and they have two Republican uh, sponsors. That in itself is unusual these days, and in a good way. Um, I'm and the to me as I started reading the document, it, it's a little hard to read because they're doing things like you know change this word to that word, change this word to that word, insert this uh, phrase in this sentence. Of course, so, you have to go back to the original document and see how that affects the whole paragraph. Yeah, right, right. So my first quick read through most of it is this is i'm not sure this is good at all um it looked like they are broadening the ability of dhs and other um law enforcement to confiscate uh and uh perform counter uas uh, activities 
that in my book would be bad. So uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on this one. It's this is this is uh, I, I'm I'm nervous about it. I've asked uh, Rob Robertson to take a look when he can. Uh, he's very astute in this uh, in this area. Um, so good catch uh, for Josh to find this. Uh, this is in early stages. So where where does the where does this bill stand? It has it's been it's been drafted, and it has not yet gone to a committee. Uh, so it, a a bill has to go into a committee, be approved by the committee, go out to the full floor of the house, and and be to get to the uh, the floor, uh, it has to be uh, brought by the speaker. Speaker equals McCarthy equals Republican. Lead sponsor equals Democrat. That might kill it right there. So we'll watch this. We'll watch HR four three 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 as it progresses. Um, if it uh, progresses and it's looking bad, then uh, then we may, you know, get vocal about it and ask for responses. They should just release diffs. Yeah, so true. That would. Yeah, but the you know being uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Good questions. Any uh, any questions on this one? So, um, as as the more obscure bills come up, we have uh, um, uh, we've gained some uh, ability to to read these things, understand them, and I think our understanding of. Uh, UAS uh, regulations allows us to read through these things and understand some of the salient points. So that that helps. And as uh, we welcome any uh, any comments and uh, and critiques on what we've said or done. Is that it, Dan? Uh, there was one more. The FAA bills would launch drones to fight wildfires. Yeah, yeah. This one I I read and I'm like, what was this about? What were they telling us? <laughs> um, there is, uh, so beyond the article, there's a lot going on. And to me, I think this was, um, oh, okay, I think this was more about the, hey, you know, drones are, do, are doing good and our hands are, you know, the, uh, they're being grounded by legislation. So that, that's bad. There is some fantastic uh, technology going on on, wildfire uh, spotting as well as assisting in containing wildfires uh, wildfires given climate change are a growing threat west part of the united states as well as uh, anyone uh, in the northeast knows that uh, canada is uh, having huge issues with wildfires and uh, glad to see u.s firefighters uh, um, traveling up to Canada to help out. It's uh, dangerous, brutal work. Um, and drones are technology that can help save lives and property. So this is, uh, to me, I think this is more of the same. This is not only are we saving lives, you know, we're still, this, you know, wildfires destroy uh, property, uh, you know, not, not just houses, but the ability to uh, to produce food and this is a, it's a great utilization of technology. And as I said, it's both for uh, surveillance as well as uh, uh, mitigating um, fires. There are uh, some 
um, our new pilot is uh, uh, working on a number of uh, technologies uh, in this area and it's very, very cool stuff. Um, um, Pilot system developer is in Australia and guess what? Lots of wildfire issues there as well. Okay, anything else? How about, look at that, look at the clock. Are we good? <laughs> Just about. <laughs> um, John Solo over on YouTube is asking if free as will show up on the remote ID app for the public to know. Um, as far as we know, the FAA has stated that free is are going to show up on their uh, UAS facilities ma uh, map, which it, I assume I, you've checked and they don't exist. It's not yet. up on there yet. I, but I assume once it is added there, Applic Kitty Applic Aloft, or I mean, air <laughs> control now, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, we'll probably nice. add a layer friends. for that because many of those apps also have layers for fixed sites. So I'd assume that they would right. also add free as Yeah, to that. since it'll be so, out there in a so public not... database, uh, they, they can find ways to integrate it into the existing apps. Because so they have don't... access to the API. Right. We don't expect the remote ID scanners that are out there, drone scanner and um, flight test will have one, and the drone ID org, we don't expect those to show free maps at this point. But just as uh, Alex said, facility maps and air control put out by a loft, I, I, I bet that they're going to add, a, add a, a layer. Good question. I suppose you, you want to know if you accidentally fly outside of your Freya, but... Maybe you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, I don't know. Other questions on the variety of platforms? I don't see any new questions coming in. Everybody, this is your chance to get your questions asked right now. Well, t Dave well, takes a pause. And... Weeks. <laughs> yeah, operators are operators are standing by. Otherwise, we're going to finish just about on time for once. All right, we're done. <laughs> Alex, get back to the homework. And thank and we uh, distracted you, Alex. So thank you, thank you very much for the. Uh, uh, the work on the uh, Frias, on the applications, and uh, thank thank you for uh, working uh, I.O. as uh, as well as flying. That's a, a great event. Oh, well, you didn't get to talk too much about Flight Fest. That we cut you short and you couldn't talk about uh, that last two weeks ago either. But you could uh, do a quick 30 seconds. How was Flight Fest a couple weekends ago? Flight Fest was great. We had uh, Josh Cook, Rob Robertson, and me uh, there for three and a half days. And Alex was able to join us for a day and a half, which was fantastic. Um, we've not, uh, this is the first time we had that many of us together in the same location, which in itself was wonderful. Um, the event is, uh, uh, it's, it, it's close to life changing. It's so positive. And uh, all we did for three and a half days was help people fix drones and get flying. And we were um, given half of the, Pilot Institute tent, so thank you to Pilot Institute. Uh, great group of people, great uh, services, uh, and um, it, it, it attracted people to come in to, uh, to their uh, side of the tent and look at uh, the equipment they have as well as the Part 107 studies and then come talk to us and ask questions about Betaflight, ask questions about regulations, ask questions about, can I, I have this little drone, I don't know how to get it connected. 
So it was incredibly useful for us to be energized about uh, so many uh, kids. There are over a thousand uh, pilots at that event. Combat is, uh, if you watch any of the videos on Flight Fest, about three times a day, there's a combat uh, session with fixed wing foam RC planes that try to uh, bash uh, in each other uh, out of the sky. And Alex participated in that with his cousin. And that was fantastic. Um, and it's it's amazing how difficult it is to hit another aircraft when there are even up to 200 of them in the air simultaneously. So great fun. And and then some of the most fun is after all of these planes are badly damaged, everyone helps everyone else to go put them back together. So there are classes going on and kids being taught on how to build planes and uh, mom help mom's helping kids and dad's helping kids and uh, and older brothers. Uh, one young man uh, had a, a one day to fly and he dedicated uh, his day to helping a younger uh, young guy uh, put a, put together a drone so he could fly and gave up his flying. I mean, so it's that sort of uh, event, selfless and laughing and uh, good uh, camaraderie. So. Uh, thank you to uh, uh, our members for uh, allowing us to uh, uh, to cover the cost to for us to travel. Uh, we brought, uh, the, you know, we came in from Arizona, Texas, New York, and Maryland. So a fair amount of travel to get to Ohio. So thank you. Uh, and if you can get to Flight Fest, it is uh, uh, it, it's a it's a blast. And it's uh, where we are successfully integrating. Uh, racing drones and drones into uh, into the mix, and we flew a uh, a street league uh, a drone there. And uh, next year we'll bring along a uh, a turtle mode FPV uh, heavy metal uh, drone. And they are uh, Alex one point two eight zero. Is that correct kilogram? Yep. Did I get the get the number right? So these are heavy. <laughs> so they're they're a lot of fun. And wow, can they take a beating? And so, well, a great time. Oh, you briefly so. mentioned earlier that uh, Rob Lowe from the FAA was there, and you guys walked around and talked a lot. How how did that go with Rob? Um, what did he learn? What did people learn from him? How how was that having an FAA thanks. employee at the flight test? The, thanks, flight thanks so much for for reminding us. So, I met uh, Rob Lowe, regional administrator of Southwest Region. So if you work for the FAA in the Southwest region, you work for Rob Lowe. So this is a, a senior executive in the FAA. Uh, I was on a, a panel with him uh, several years ago and invited him to Flight Fest because whoever we can get to come to Flight Fest from the FAA, it's a good thing. Um, Rob has flown uh, model airplanes for 40 years, and uh, one of his hobbies is to uh, call at air shows. So the whole uh, event was something that was uh, normal to him, but on such an incredibly uh, large scale. Um, we got to meet uh, two undergraduates from Purdue University that uh, were working on a Navy-sponsored uh, aircraft, about a 12-foot uh, fuselage made of carbon fiber. Uh, they flew that. Uh, that was uh, fantastic. We also were able to introduce Rob to a number of uh, kids working on uh, you know, putting together their first airplane. And uh, we also, uh, Rob saw firsthand our uh, working uh, to fix and, uh, and get, uh, get kids back in the air with, uh, with drones. So um, I believe uh, he found it useful. Um, and 
We also got him got Rob uh, under a set of uh, goggles. Rob uh, was able to do a fly with uh, with Rob, and uh, he, he he said that was uh, an amazing experience. I suspect there's probably a set of uh, FPV goggles in <laughs> Rob's future. Um, so it was a great experience to uh, share, you know, what this large group uh, is doing. Uh, we certainly talked about. Um, uh, Flight Test Community Association. We talked about FPV Freedom Coalition, STEM Plus C. We talked about the STEM uh, programs in uh, Flight Test, as well as uh, the work we do with uh, AMA and the upcoming uh, broadcast module. So I think a useful, it was certainly useful for us to uh, convey what's going on. Uh, and uh, for someone as busy as Rob Lowe to take a, a day, I mean that's you know that's to be there a full day means he's got to burn up best part of three days to uh, to travel, and part of that was his weekend. So we're very very grateful for the time he took, and uh, uh, you know we think it was a very positive uh, experience for uh, both he and us. That sounds great. It's too bad he's not at all involved in drone regulations, but uh, he is someone high up at the FAA who has some influence on non-drone related so, things and very frequently and so uh atc is air traffic control is part of his purview and in many many of the projects that we worked on with the uh, drone advisory committee and then the advanced aviation uh committee that we had uh um uh air traffic controllers with us management and acta the uh, union with us and these are uh really sharp people and with every one of them with incredible experience uh, and insight that really helped us uh, work through what's sensible, what's maybe not sensible, be it for unmanned traffic management or uh, beyond visual line of sight or you know, whatever makes sense to be, to maintain safety around airports. So really good to get his uh, you know, view of what we're doing because it's, we may ask for you know, some help to have you know, one of his people participate uh, with sure. us as a subject matter expert. All right. Any Thanks. other questions? If not, we should stop uh, distracting Alex so he can get back to his homework. Well, That's fully right, focus but... on his homework and not uh, multitasking. <laughs> You're going to go to bed now? Yeah, I'll just wake up early in the morning and continue working on it. Perfect. Well, early for some people, or early for people my age, but normal for probably most people especially <laughs> late if, for uh, dave this, i'm sure this yeah this color yeah hair. be like 6 a.m so yeah yeah that's late <laughs> okay <laughs> all right thank but you everyone my people it's early understood great questions good discussion thanks so much we'll see you in two weeks yep thanks yeah. everybody